0: This morning, um, I, I, was, I woke up on Thursday. I was in that place of, you know, where you're half asleep and you're half awake. And I, and I had this, this image of, of nails being driven into Jesus' hand. And I really felt the gravity of what Jesus actually happened to Jesus, the, what he took, how he suffered so much for us. And it wasn't just the physical suffering although that would have been horrendous it was It was also the emotional and the spiritual suffering that he went through as he took his sin um, in his body in his body our sin my sin in his body and um, at the same day Fad sent, sent an email around saying that we're having breaking of bread communion and um, I hadn't expected it because it's normally the week before so and it's sort of fitted in a little bit with what I wanted to talk about this morning. And actually two weeks ago, David had a picture in his preach. I'm not sure whether anyone can remember it. I haven't got any chocolate, but <laughs> David, David would be really pleased if anybody remembers it. It was a word it was a picture that he'd had the day the morning that morning and he shared it during the preach. Can anybody remember? That's a brilliant picture, but it isn't the one he had. <laughs> Did you have that one? I didn't even remember hearing that one. Oh, no, no. Anyway, the one I, the one I was thinking of is the one where um, there's a runway that is, was having to be cleared continually because it was a runway in a remote area that was you've got more chocolate, a runway that was uh, in a remote area and it had to keep on being cleared because it was the only way that the provisions could get to that person. So the runway had to be cleared and uh, David was reminded of John the Baptist when he started sort of meditating and thinking on it and uh, uh, it's John the Baptist in the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah where it says that he is a voice in the wilderness saying prepare the way for the Lord and of course we know John the Baptist's ministry was a a ministry of baptism from for repentance so it was all about repentance and that so David saw that picture as us having to come to him and ask for forgiveness to clear the pathway um, to recognize where we have got sin and where we need to continually forgive and to continue doing it because we need to keep the, that, that um, runway clear. We need to keep it open to Jesus coming into our lives continually. So that also confirmed what I was thinking about for this morning. But the title of my talk will not bear any resemblance to it when you hear it. But it is linked. And the title of my talk is The Hidden Jewel of Humility, The Hidden Jewel. Of humility, because I had a picture of about a month or so ago when I was praying and it was of the Lord just lifting something up from under the grounds and he lifted it up and I was just thinking on it for a while and I felt the Lord say to me that is humility that is humility and you know humility is something which is hidden it's like a hidden jewel it's a bit like a treasure isn't it a treasure that you, that you dig up, you didn't realise was there, and it just comes to the surface. And um, I worked in BT 35 years ago. 35 years ago. I only worked for five years, but I'm getting my pension from the next year, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it's not going to be a lot of money, I can tell you, but it's something. But I used to walk from London Bridge to Blackfriars every morning. And um, as I walked that route... Um, they were excavating a building. And um, when they excavated this building, they found, I think it was um, Roman artefacts. So it was like a Roman uh, floor with different artefacts. And what they did is that when they built that building on top of it, they actually put a glass floor so people could actually see it and, you know, appreciate what was previously hidden. So hidden, as I've mentioned, humility isn't generally out on display, but it is hidden. In fact, the nature of humility is such that if, if somebody sort of drew attention to their humility, we would think that they were being proud about their humility, which is obviously the opposite. Um, but I mean, if one of the things that uh, Jesus said to the, the Pharisees and the scribes of the day um, was that they were hypocrites? I don't know whether you remember. The, he gave quite a few little sort of pictures and uh, and about about this. And one of the things was that they went and prayed in the public, uh, on street corners and in the synagogue, and they prayed to get they prayed to get praise and favor from man. But of course, they forfeited the um, the pleasure and the favor that God had for their lives because. They were looking for man's approval and not for God's approval. When we look at um, Moses, this is one of, the things, one of the verses I really like about Moses. It says in Numbers 12, verse 3, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And I love the time we had just worshipping this morning. Thanks, Jude, Simon, and the band. Because if we look at Moses' life, Moses' life was characterised, wasn't it, by his time in God's presence. I mean, when he came down from the mountain, when he'd met God, he had to put a veil on his face (laughs) because the glory of God just shone from his face. And so his, his humility, I believe, just came from being in his, the presence, the presence of the Lord. And of course, our supreme model of humility is Jesus. And in Philippians 2, 5 to 11, it describes that. But I'll just read verse 8. It says this. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. As we shared our communion this morning, we've remembered all that he went through on the cross. And he is our role model. He is the one who has walked the path of humility that we want to follow. And what did he, what, how did it demonstrate humility? Well, he only did what the Father did. He only spoke what the Father spoke. He was completely dependent on the Father and on hearing him. Jesus as well demonstrated the highest form of worship when he was at Gethsemane, when he became aware of the weight of all the sin that he was about to carry as he went to the cross. And those words that he said not my will, but your will be done. I'd just like us to read Psalm 51. If you've got your Bible, um, I'll read, I'm reading from verse 10 of Psalm 51. This was written by David as a confession of his sin after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and he'd also arranged the death of her husband. Um, I believe that some of this that will come out of these verses will really help us in the whole area of humility. It may not be obvious, but it will come eventually as we open it up. Psalm 51, verses 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence O Lord, open up my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In the psalm, it recognises that sin actually affects our hearts towards God. It drives us away, rather than drawing us to his presence. And if you remember with Adam and Eve, uh, after they had sinned, they hid in the garden from God. If we live in our sins, it always has the effect of keeping us away from the God who loves us, and wants to meet us and wants us to experience, as David says, the joy of our salvation. It is on his heart that we do that. And that's a joy that we've been saved from, a joy of what we've been saved to, a life of freedom in him. How does David respond before God? You know, he doesn't come with sacrifices, does he? He doesn't come with what he can show and prove to God, prove for himself. He doesn't come um, to earn his salvation, to put him right before God, but he comes bringing his heart and a broken spirit to the surface, lifting it up before God. He knows that the Lord will not despise this. And it is in doing this that he asks for forgiveness and that he will be cleansed and renewed in his relationship with the Lord. Just going to read another passage, so if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow, it's James 4, verses 1 to 10. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? I'll let you get there, I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. James 4, verses 1 to 10. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. As with David, in these verses, the Lord is wanting us to deal with our sin, and the Lord says that he jealously desires the spirit that he's made to dwell in us. And this is the Holy Spirit that he's placed in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is to be evident and working in our lives, not our flesh. It's so easy for us to, to do it the other way around. But the flesh gives, gives, can, gives us the quarrels, wanting things for our own pleasures These things are showing our friendship with the world and the devil's influence and not our friendship with the Lord. The devil is the one these verses tell us we are to resist as we submit ourselves to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. We then have that really well-known phrase that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, pride, pride stops us opening up our hearts to the Lord, for him to search our hearts, to reveal things in us where we need to be set free. It stops us depending on the Holy Spirit. God literally opposes us when we are proud, which is a sobering truth, isn't it? He is... It's, it's, there's very few verses that sort of say this sort of thing, but when it comes to pride, God opposes us. Um, pride is where we, we don't recognise um, our need. Humility is where we know our need. Humility is knowing our need, knowing our need of the Lord. The verse says that if we live in humility... That place where we recognize our need, then we will receive grace and we need grace to live free from sin and to leave, live in the presence and under the influence of Holy Spirit. I've got some more verses to read. In John 16, we'll read from verses 7 to 15. John 16. 7 to 15. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in, him, in me He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what I will make known to you. I think that the Holy Spirit is like a vase. I was going to use a, um, I was going to use a sort of visible sort of demonstration of it, thinking there'll be a vase there, but there isn't. <laughs> it's not a vase. I was going to, but you can imagine a vase, can't you? You look at, um, you look at the vase, and you can look at it and think it's be a nice crystal vase, really beautiful. That is a lovely vase you've got there, and you're looking and admiring this vase. Uh, But then when you put the flowers in it, your attention is drawn away from the vase, isn't it? And the attention is given to the flowers. And I think it's like that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to display Jesus. He's quite happy when we see him and we see Jesus because without the flowers, he wouldn't really... Be one, one thing is he, wanting, he wouldn't be able to operate as he wants to operate because he's always glorifying Jesus. He's making things known to us from the Lord Jesus. Can I say that it, it's, it's, it's very easy to be proud? You probably all know that. <laughs> it's very easy to be proud, isn't it? To live for just what we Want to everything to be centered around me, and we do need to deal with this because humility is the key to unlocking our hearts towards God because it's fundamentally bringing to the surface our hearts to Him and it's letting Him work, Holy Spirit work in us, bringing conviction to us where we're acting wrongly with one another. Or where we're displeasing uh, him in our attitudes and our actions. The great thing is that God gives grace to the humble. And we need grace um, to live our lives. When we come with an attitude of seeking forgiveness and surrendering to the Lord, he gives us the grace to live in his presence and from his presence. I love this verse in Galatians 5 verse 6, 16, sorry. Probably a lot of you will know it when I mention it off by heart. So I say, live, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See that we have the Holy Spirit to be able to live in freedom from sin. I wanna just give a testimony um, now. This is probably the main purpose of the talk this morning. I wanna share something which I hope might be helpful to, to people. If it's not, it's making me very vulnerable and perhaps that's what I should, perhaps God really wants to give me humility in the process. But I wanted to just give testimony of the Holy Spirit's work in, in my life in setting me free from an addiction I had to pornography. Um, and I had it from a young age. Um, from the age of 11, I was exposed to pornography. Um, and it got to the point where actually I, I went to my local newsagents and I used to steal pornographic magazines uh, in, order to, in order to fix the addiction that I had. Um, I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. And although I, I saw a freedom from that sin... I was a bit like, you know, a pig that goes back to the sty and just wallows in the mud yet again. And each time I felt the guilt and I felt the shame. I felt how much I was disappointing the Lord in everything that I was doing. And it wasn't until just about six years ago where I... I, yeah, I would get up with my back and, and before that and, I, and I, was, I was still watching TV programs which were not helping me at all. But the Holy Spirit came into my life six years ago in an amazing way. I had some really good teaching and I used to, rather than getting up and putting the television on, I'd get up and just receive the presence of the Holy Spirit and I would allow the Holy Spirit to fill me to fill me and overflow me in in my life, fill me to overflowing. And I can say the hand on heart, he delivered me from that sin. And I've never gone back to it again. I've never felt an interest in it ever again. And I understand that there can be things that can really hold us, and they can hold us for years. For me, you know, we're, we're looking at decades. But I don't think it needs to be that way. I think we can receive the Holy Spirit and we can receive freedom from things that have really held us back. And I I want us to actually as we close just spend some time just receiving from the Lord. After the Holy Spirit start working my life and and I'm not boasting in this, I'm boasting in the Holy Spirit but now when I get up with my bad back and, I'm in bed, and I'll and I spend about an hour or so worshipping, praising, singing in tongues, praying in tongues and I, I have a hunger for more of the Lord. I have a hunger that has come because the Holy Spirit has filled me. Someone has said that in the natural, physical hunger is increased the less you have in the spiritual your hunger is increased the more that you have you become more and more hungry the more you experience the more that you want the more that you desire and that's been my testimony and um, if if you feel able and would want to should we stand and we're just going to spend some moments and just invite Holy Spirit if there's anything that has come up in your mind, in your heart, that you felt, you know, I need to be delivered. I need to be free from this recurring sin. I need to know the touch of Holy Spirit in my life. Let's just allow Holy Spirit now to fill us. We've been singing about surrendering. We sung the song. Let's just allow our hearts now To be surrendered to Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.